Hello, Colorado. The state's so nice, we're playing there twice. <laughs> That's right. Two days in a row, Chuck. We added a second show to our Gothic Theater tour. That's right. We're going to be there June 7th and June 28th now. Uh, the 28th is sold out. But uh, one of those weird cases where you go see the first show, you were actually late buying tickets. Right. We're also going to be in Boston, April 4th, D.C., April 5th. We're going to be in St. Louis on May 22nd and Cleveland on May 23rd. And then, of course, we're going to wrap this summer up on June 27th, 28th at the Gothic Theater in Colorado. So go to SYSKLive.com for all of your information and ticket needs. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryan, and there's Jerry. This is stuff you should know. All right. This bears some explanation. So I was doing my Stevie from Malcolm in the Middle impression. Which one was Stevie? He was the, the kid in the wheelchair who, like, breathed like that, who talked like that because he, like he had serious <laughs> asthma. Yeah. Was Did he, you don't remember him? Was he just, like, a classmate? Yeah, he was like his best friend, I believe. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I like that show, though. Yeah. Well, that's not what I was doing, really. No, we're slightly out of breath because uh, we just had a fire alarm. <laughs> yeah, we had to walk down four stair, four flights of stairs. Uh-huh. And not like this, the one, the kind of flight where it's like down, landing, down again. They should call that's that a two flight. flights. Yeah, so we walked down <laughs> eight flights of stairs yeah. and then walked back eight more. I know. Right when we got down, stopped and immediately turned around to go back in. Yeah. It was ridiculous. It was the kind of thing that makes you say, maybe I won't leave next time there's a fire alarm. I was prepared to hide in the studio and keep working. Yeah, we thought about it, but there's a fire marshal who works here, so <laughs> yeah. you can't can't run afoul of him. Man, he got on that orange vest quick like. Changes everything. <laughs> so uh, Have you ever heard of those guys that sneak into places with uh, those vests? Yes, I have. I don't – is there a name for what they do? I think do? these – I'm sure more than one person has done this, but there's these two guys in particular who uh, kind of got – I don't know about how famous, but made a name for themselves for uh, putting on the orange vests right. and saying basically like if you wear one of these, you can get in anywhere you want almost. Yeah. If, if you have an orange vest on and you look like you're supposed to be there. Well, yeah. You got to have that uh, steely right. sense of nerve. Yeah. And a walkie-talkie is probably a good thing to have, too. Yeah, but they can go anywhere because the orange vest guy, that means that something's wrong, and the orange vest guy has to take care of it. Yeah, like yeah. they showed pictures in the in front of a uh, – I can't remember what show it was, but a big, big concert mm-hmm. where they were in that buffer area between the people in the stage. Right, yeah. Just I with their orange vests. Yeah. <laughs> and Fred Durst is like, oh, there's an orange vest <laughs> guy. Something must be going on. What year was that? Uh, this would have been 2002, maybe. The Fred Durst years. Mm-hmm. Great years. The wonder years. <laughs> right. Well. Man, I'm so, hot now, too. I am uh, I feel good. I got like that got the endorphins flowing. This is going to be a cool episode, buddy. Well, the irony is I'm uh, so grossly out of shape. I started getting on the Peloton yeah. last week. Yeah. So I've been, and this is not a, a plug for Peloton. I guess it is, but a little bit. It's not an ad, but I've been getting on that thing. So my legs are ham, uh, rubber rubber band hams. Nice right now. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Hey, y'all, prepare yourself for the rubber band ham. <laughs> 
That's the song, right? Hey, will you indulge me for one moment? Oh, man. <laughs> I've been waiting for you to ask me that for a long time. All right, so I've got uh, the old side gig going with Movie Crush, my podcast mm-hmm. where uh, every Friday I sit down with someone awesome and talk about their favorite movie. And kill it. Uh, thank you. Uh, but I have now added a second weekly episode that publishes on Monday mm-hmm. uh, called Mini Crushes. And that's where I just sit in here uh, with uh, producer Noel. Mm-hmm. He's sort of the omniscient voice of God. Uh, and he sort of chimes in. And I source a lot of questions from Facebook uh, to the Movie Crush Facebook page, um, listener mails. I do recommendations. It's just a really interactive fan-based experience. Yeah. So I want to plug the mini crushes and uh, let everyone know that yesterday I dropped a very special mini crush, which was the Chuck and it's Emily's podcast debut. Oh, congratulations, man. That's right. Uh, it's called the Chuck and Emily drink wine uh, and talk about the Oscar nominations. Oh, yes. Nice. Yeah. So we recorded this thing at home. We put the kid to bed and broke out some nice wine and did our pre-Oscar roundup. So that dropped yesterday. And then next Monday, the day after the Oscars, uh, we're going to have our post-Oscar roundup mm-hmm. where we talked about who won and what the speeches were like and who wore it best. That's awesome, <laughs> man. Emily's going to be a star, Chuck. Yeah, she was actually pretty great. And if you want a little peek behind the marital curtain, uh, this is this is your chance. <laughs> so, yeah, if you could check out Movie Crush on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever mm-hmm. you get your podcasts. Nice, man. Do you feel indulged? I, I, I Very much. Good. All right. Let's talk about knife throwing. So <laughs> I'm a little psyched so about this because <laughs> knife throwing taps into my ninja training that I did under Tommy Roper, as I'm sure uh-huh. I've mentioned before. Yeah. Uh, reading about this, researching it. I never threw knives. We never made it that far into my gonna, training. Though. Maybe now. I'll be I'll be hang gliding, throwing knives at the same time. Right. I'm going to get into both at once. Uh, but I did a little throwing star stuff. Throwing star is like the dummies uh, knife throwing. Because that thing always sticks, right? Yeah. I mean, depending on how many spikes you got coming off of it. And how many beers you've had. Sure. <laughs> um, and, and whether the tree is actually like a metal pole or not, you're probably going to stick a throwing star. Throwing a knife is an entirely different endeavor. And it's something that anybody can do. That uh, Nicholas Gerbis, or Gerbis, never met him yet, um, he points out that this is actually kind of like a, a low-hanging hobby. That you, could, you can get a set of knives for 10, 15 bucks a piece. Okay. You probably want about five, as we'll, we'll explain why. Um, maybe six. And then you just practice. <laughs> get yourself a good block of wood and mm-hmm. practice. And anybody can do this. It's not like you're born to throw knives. You practice. And if you like it, you keep going and you just get better and better at it. And you can impress your friends and neighbors. Uh, yes. And here's the point in the show where we uh, issue our COA. Kids, if you're out there, yeah. do not go get a steak knife from your drawer and start throwing it at your dog. That is not a throwing knife. And never throw anything at your dog, kids. Yes. I will come find you. Yeah, never throw anything at anybody that's sharp. But um, throwing knives are built to throw. Mm-hmm. They are weighted and balanced to throw. Mm-hmm. They're not like regular old knives, and we'll yeah. get into all that. But just uh, if you really want to try throwing knives, go ask mom and dad. Sure. Uh, or Tommy Roper. <laughs> get ready. Get ready for a no. And then ex- Tommy Roper doesn't. And say then no. play them this podcast 
where it is an actual um, circus art. And please, for the love of God, tell me this is the last one. I don't think so. Of the circus arts. No, it's not. What else is there? There's a bunch. We've done the globe of death. Yeah, oh, yeah. Flame swallowing. Lion taming, sword swallowing. Sword swallowing. Uh, we did circus families, just straight up circus families. Uh, human cannonball. Um, this has got to be it. I don't think so, man. I think it's going to keep going indefinitely. Clowns. We did clowns. Clowns for sure, yeah. Um, they haven't done one on P.T. Barnum, though. No. You mean Hugh Jackman? Mm-hmm. What is it, Chuck Stradamus? I don't know. Something like that. I make one lucky casting call, predict one sexual predator, Yeah. and one bad Lifetime movie. Or what What was Sharknado? Sci-fi? Sci-fi movie. Three little things. That's all. That doesn't make me Nostradamus. Haven't won the lottery yet. Think of all the things I've said that didn't come true. Right. Way more. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know? Yeah. No one ever writes in and no, says, well, that didn't happen. Right, you really got that. <laughs> Actually, they do write in to tell us we got stuff wrong a lot. That's true. So we're going to take this seriously because we want you 10-year-olds out there mm-hmm. who want to get your parents to let you do this to, to see that you're taking this seriously by listening <clears throat> to this podcast first, okay? That's right. So what we're talking about specifically is known as... Uh, somewhat ironically, as an impalement act, <laughs> yeah. um, which is really a weird thing to call it. It's well, it's um, yeah, it really is. I think it's a little tongue in cheek. You think? Because the point is to Knife not cheek. to not right. <laughs> the point is to not impale somebody with this kind of thing, right? That's right. And and impalement acts are an umbrella term that cover not just knife throwing, but bullwhip cracking. Oh, shoot, sharp shooting. Archery, William Tell kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. All of those fall under the uh, the umbrella term of impalement acts. Jerry's undressing over there to our left. She got very hot in the fire drill. (laughs) Um, All right. So this goes back, if we can get back in the way back machine. Oh, yeah. um, All the way back to the late 19th century. Oh, we got to go back even further than that. Are you going to go like to ancient times? No, no, we'll still we'll just go to the 19th century. Because <laughs> I'm sure Chinese people in ancient times threw stuff that stuck in walls. Well, I looked at, I looked up the oldest knife. And China started everything. Apparently, they did. Apparently, they found the oldest knife 500,000 years ago. Oh, the oldest knife. Knife. So we've been using knives for longer than there have been modern humans. Yeah, for sure. And then we, at some point, probably about 400. And 99,000 years ago, we started throwing knives. That's it's, right. It's Stabbing is okay, but throwing a knife is when you really can <laughs> yeah. come to appreciate what a knife does. Okay? Man, there was nothing better in a, like an 80s movie than when mm-hmm. like James Bond threw a knife and it got a guy. Or American Ninja. That's what I was trained on. Yeah. Um, all right. So Wild, uh, Wild West shows, Buffalo Bill and his Wild West shows – Traveled throughout the United States, throughout Europe. Yeah. Um, knife throwing became a big spectacle at things like this, as well as obviously sharpshooting and yeah. probably archery. They probably did all the impalement arts. They definitely did. Um, and they really brought it to the world, um, to the, to the point where you can just basically say that's where it started was Buffalo Bill's Wild West show. Yeah. And this is one of those things where through a modern lens, it, it is incredibly misogynistic mm-hmm. to think about the fact that you say, Hey, uh, let me take a scantily clad woman, a target girl. Yeah, that's what they call them as target girls. And throw knives at her. 
Yeah, just stand there. Stand throw, still. Yeah, throw knives near her. That's your job. It's always a lady. She's always got on uh, like a bikini or something. She's just like almost like Wild West steampunk Renaissance fair thing. <laughs> right. You know, just There's to cover bustier. all of the all of the geek boys' dreams and desires. Right. But when you look at it through the modern lens, it's like, man, that that is totally misogynistic. Right. To uh, that that is the act. Um, it's got a burlesque thing going on. Yeah, sure. I mean, you can see what they're trying to do is is titillate the young boys in the audience. They're trying to sell tickets. Sure. And it probably wouldn't have sold as many tickets if they just had Bill the farmhand with a balloon in his mouth <laughs> right. getting popped. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's still pretty cool. You're still saying the same thing. But, yeah, it's just basically tradition and custom to have a scantily clad woman as your target girl. Again, that's what they call them is the target girl. Right. And that is the <laughs> one of the two people involved in this impalement act. That's right. Um, we mentioned the balloon in the mouth. That was one of the big tricks. Yeah. Uh, there was a German husband and wife named the Gibsons who introduced the very famous Wheel of Death in 1938 at the Ringling Brothers show at, yeah. in Madison Square Garden. Have you, see, have you seen this? Oh, yeah. Okay, so uh, I had seen stuff like with knife throwing before, and I always thought Flea Circus was another one. Oh, God. Do you remember our Flea Circus episode where mm-hmm. it turns out that Flea Circuses actually involve real fleas? Yeah, that was the best of the circus arts. And shows. everybody thought it was like, no, it's magnets or just your imagination uh-huh. power of suggestion. And that's just not the case. The same thing applies to knife-throwing impalement acts. Like, I always thought... Did you really? Yeah, I thought... I think there was, like, a Happy Days or something like that, where <laughs> somebody gets volunteered. There's definitely an I Love Lucy with a knife act, where she's, uh-huh. she's the target girl. But there is some show where... Maybe Laverne and Shirley, now I think about it. Anyway... The guy's throwing them, and, like, the knives are coming out of the backboard around them. So, so it's fast. all an illusion, yeah. right? That is not true. In knife acts, you're, you're, if you're the target girl, a dude is throwing 12-inch long, extremely sharp, pointy knives mm-hmm. right at your head and is trying to get as close as possible to you without hitting you. Correct. And, uh, again, it's not just... That's just the profile where they're throwing knives around you and making like a chalk outline of your yeah. of your body. That's the profile. But there's other ones like holding a cigarette in your mouth and knocking the ash off yeah. with a knife. Or you're holding a flower in your mouth and they slowly like cut the stem off piece by piece. There's um, some pretty interesting things that people have done with knife acts. Yeah, sometimes, and this is the riskiest of all moves, riskier even more so than the Wheel of Death. Is when they do the uh, when they cover the target over with paper. Yeah, the veiled wheel of death. So you can't even see the spinning uh, who is behind there. You just have to have it timed completely perfectly. Right, but if you take a step back and think about this, there is nothing about that act that should allow you to say, "Oh, if I throw like this, I will I will miss the person," because they're spinning. So you have to know where their body is at every second. Mm-hmm. But you've taken away how you know that, which is your vision, mm-hmm. because they're behind a, a big sheet of paper that you're throwing knives through. Yeah. And there's this guy who we'll talk about a little further. His name is the Great Throdini. <laughs> Love this guy. Yeah. Uh, he has, I watched a bunch of his stuff. He has done something. It's probably the most dangerous, most impressive knife-throwing act anyone's ever done. He did the veiled wheel of death with two target girls on it. So he has two girls strapped to a board, spinning, 
behind a big piece of paper that he can't see them through, and he's throwing knives at them. Fast. And, yes, very fast. The guy threw them on an average of uh, a knife every .59 seconds. Yeah. Um, and he didn't hit either one of them. Amazing. It is amazing. It's so amazing. I think we should take a break and re- regroup. back we just watched uh one hour of great 30 videos right uh he apparently caught on like in his 50s yeah he's like hey i'm pretty good at this back in 1996 he just just, i guess somebody was like maybe have you tried throwing knives and he said no i haven't and they were like well try throwing knives and he said well fine i will a couple weeks later he tried throwing knives and he said i really like this yeah um he said it felt natural and right so he started throwing knives and entered competitions and um, started winning. I think he became world champion within like two years. He beat the other four people. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, and then he said, you know what? This is fun and all, like these competitions, but I think I want to try an act, like an old throwback impalement act. So he started one. Let me buy a tuxedo. And- basically. Bought his wife Barbara a, a target girl get up. Oh, is that his uh, target girl? One of them, yeah. Uh, I think she may have been the original one. Uh, taught her to smoke cigarettes so he could knock the ash off of the end of them. And there you go. Impalement act achieved. But not only that, Chuck, like the guy is like legitimately the best knife thrower on the planet. Well, he's one of them. He holds a record for fastest. But, boy, you go down a YouTube rabbit hole mm-hmm. and to like people like Ralph Thorne. And, uh, Better than Great Thordini, huh? Well, Great Thordini does the impalement act as in the circus art. Uh, right. Ralph Thorne is like, if you're running through the woods chasing somebody. I haven't seen this guy. This is, well, that's the Thorne style. We'll get into those styles later. Okay, gotcha. But, um, yeah, he will like launch himself off of a tree stump in the air and throw one behind his back. See, now that's basically the training I was yeah. indoctrinated. Yeah, yeah, like martial arts. Sure. Real world suburban neighborhood dangers. Right. right. <laughs> There's a raccoon. <laughs> Oh, no. No, no, no. You're not throwing at raccoons. Um, all right. So. Hey, a raccoon comes at me? Well, sure. Okay. Um, here's what you need if, you, if you're going to throw a knife. You need a throwing knife. And a throwing <laughs> knife, like I said, is not a steak knife. It is very much made to be thrown. It is balanced mm-hmm. uh, so that you throw it. Uh, and we'll talk about the different ways that they're balanced. But uh, one thing they are not is uh, sharp on the sides. Yeah, the edges. Yeah, they're very pointy. Right. But um, they're dull on the edges because you're going to, a lot of times, be throwing it by that blade. Um, so get a knife for throwing. Yeah. Like and, and, the old saying, um, <laughs> sharp of point. Sharp of point is the point. <laughs> yeah. Sharp of edge uh, is does does you no good. Sure. That old saying. Yeah. That's a great saying. Like it should go on a T-shirt. It should. So, um, yeah, you want a sharp point, but there's there's nothing about a sharp edge that's going to help you in any way, shape, or form because the no. whole point, again, is the point. Too. Is the point that's going to stick into that into whatever that target is, which is usually a block of wood, right? Yes. So, um, depending on where how you're going to throw it, you want to throw the heavy end first, 
And there's a reason for this. The reason is, is that uh, if you want to get technical about it, velocity equals um, distance divided by time, right? And when you're throwing a knife, especially the heavy end first, the heavy end has traveled a further distance in the same amount of time than the lighter end. And this, friends, creates something very important in knife throwing, although not fundamental, which is spin. Okay? That's right. And so if you throw the throw the knife, you're going to throw it either blade end or handle end. And the end uh, regards what you're holding when you throw it. And if you're holding, say, a, a knife handle and you're throwing it from the handle end, you're the front of the knife, the point is going to be weighted. It's going to be heavier so that that starts the spin. If you're throwing it blade first, the handle itself will be heavier. That's right. So that will start the spin. And there's a couple of different, depending on which way you're throwing, there's a, the spin is going to take place over this, the course of, um, a, a very short distance actually. And so let me, let me just back up a second here. Okay. There's there's a, some factors involved, okay? They are distance to target, length of knife, weight and balance, and then knife type, right? So the distance to target is going to de- is going to s- tell you what type of throw you want. That's right. Um, the kind of knife uh, they say for every good rule of thumb here, just throw it out. But they mm-hmm. do mention a rule of thumb regardless. That says uh, a blade that weighs about one ounce per inch. So, uh, and that's per inch of your the whole knife. Yeah. So, um, they it shouldn't. Well, you can throw whatever you want, but ten to sixteen ounces is a good uh, starter knife. uh, You know, and about that long, or maybe twelve to fourteen inches, and about that many ounces is where you want to start off as a beginner. Right. And there Um, are all kinds of shapes too. Like definitely, some of them are like little spears. Uh, some have multiple points, more like throwing stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they really run the gamut, right? Um, so depending on how you're going to throw, whether it's a handle throw or a blade throw, the weight of the knife is going to be either in the handle or the blade. It's going to be the opposite of where you're holding the knife. Um, and if you throw holding the blade, you're going to throw a half turn. It's a half turn throw, right? Yeah. And the the, the reason they call it that is because the knife only makes one half turn. It, the the blade straightens out from your hand toward the target, and then that's the only turn it makes. Yeah, it's not like uh, in the movies. A lot of times you'll see you go right and turn like nine times and yeah. stick the guy in the forehead. Yeah, that's really not what you're doing with knife throwing. No, it's basically if you th- if you're throwing it by the blade, it's going to make one half turn and that's it. So you if if you're blade throwing, you would stand closest to the target. Right. So if some yeah. guy's coming at you dressed as a raccoon and you know he's going to hurt you and you can throw a knife and he's real close, you would throw by the blade. That's right. Uh, and in fact, I don't even know if it's possible to throw a knife like they do in the movies that I don't think so. Just tumbles because every video I saw there, like you try and prevent tumbling. Right. As much as you can. Yeah. Like that's the whole game as to uh, because physics says that a revolving object that suddenly breaks free will continue to move in a straight line. Tangential to the point at which it's released. Right. In other words, that release point's a little tricky. You know, you got to dial that in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll get to that too, and on the actual throwing. Right. Um, so the uh, the next the next furthest away from the target 
is if you're holding the the knife by the handle. Right. And you're throwing it, it's going to make, that's a full turn, full spin, uh, to where the blade goes from facing the target, facing away from the target, and back to facing the target in time to stick into that target. And not embarrassingly bounce off because it hit the blade or the uh, handle first. That's very humiliating, right? So humiliating. Uh, and then the last one is the furthest one away, and it's about the most you would ever want a blade to turn, which is two times. That's about 30 feet or about 10 meters away from your target. You could possibly get it to spin twice. But usually you just want it to spin once or half, and that's it. Yeah, and uh, did you say a half turn is about 7 or 8 feet? I don't think I did. I just said it was the closest. Yeah, about 7 or 8 feet. It depends. Full spin, about 12 to 15. And like you said, the the great Throdini double Bondini right. double twist yeah. is, what, up to 20, 30 feet? Yeah. Although fun. one of these other throws that we're going to get into, this thorn throw, one of the benefits is you can throw from anywhere. Right. Supposedly. So uh, we're going to take one more break and then we're going to come back and teach you a little bit about throwing <laughs> and then uh, what to look for in a good knife. Okay, so you've got, you know about how close you want to stand to the target depending on whether you're holding the knife by the blade or the handle. The good thing is, is there are a couple of different grips, but they're very similar. So if you're like, I want to get into blade throwing first because that looks pretty cool, mm-hmm. you're going to basically pinch the um, the blade of the knife. And remember, these are not sharp edges, so you should be fine. Yeah. If you do, if you, I saw if you are using a sharp edged knife, you want to hold the blunt end. Yeah, but you don't even want to do that. You don't even want to do that. So you, so it doesn't really matter which way you're holding it, but if you, if it is sharp on one edge, hold the other edge. And you're just basically pinching it between your, your thumb and your first three fingers. Just a little pinch. Yeah, just a, just a teeny <laughs> pinch. Maybe stick your pinky out for effect. <laughs> sure. All right. And that, that's the uh, blade throw. Yeah. And you've already got your target, by the way, at this point. I know you mentioned a block of wood, but, uh, they recommend, um, aim small. What is it? Start small, aim small? Yeah. Which is don't don't you don't need a a tree trunk um, sliced up and mm-hmm. put on a wall like you just need like a whatever a little twelve inch by twelve inch block of wood right. or maybe if you want to uh, screw a bunch of wood together and then draw a target on there that's fine too yeah you should probably glue though because the screws might your your knife might bounce off of them <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> if you're using metal screws okay sure as opposed to the traditional wooden dowel. Right. So, um, dovetail joint. Right. So the, uh, the, that's the, what did I say? That's the blade throw, right? Yeah, you did blade throw. There's a handle throw too. And this one is called a hatchet throw or hammer throw Mm -hmm. or the handle throw. You could call it too. And everybody will know what you're talking about. Yeah. And you stand, uh, you're a little further back for this one. Right. Because you've got your, your full turn going. Yeah. Uh, and then you just grip it like a baseball bat and swing away, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Close your eyes and you hope for the best. You say ninja strike. Right. Yeah? Yeah. So um, the cool thing is what you were saying about starting small, aiming small, mm-hmm. is that 
when you, when you figure out that there's actually just a few mechanics going on here, you'll be able to tell what part of your throw is actually off. Yeah. Whether it's distance, whether it's when you're releasing, uh-huh. whether it's um, how you're gripping it, wh- the the problems or the issues with your throw will show up, and you'll be able to read based on how the knife is landing or sticking uh, what's wrong with your throw. Yeah, like if you are throwing, I think blade first, mm-hmm. and it sticks, but it's sticking at a really hard angle where the where the handle is pointing down. Right. Then they say maybe just move back. Six inches with your stance. Correct? That's is it? Yeah, you're right. You're right. And then try it again. Yeah, because that means that your the the knife didn't get its full rotation. Right. You wanted to basically be sticking straight out perpendicular to the target. Yeah, that's a correct throw. Or as you're as you're learning to do this. Yeah. And did you say that it's generally your opposite leg of your throwing hand forward? Oh yeah. So so yeah. So the stance. Yeah, I mean, generally, but then again, I also saw this Russian guy that threw with his uh, throwing leg, or his, the same leg as his throwing hand forward. Right, like a And he frisbee. was like, you know, it, it all works, basically, right. was his thing. This guy <laughs> was great. Good. I knew you had the Italian thing going on, but the Russian, that was good. Oh, yeah, I can I can do that. So let's get into the throw then, okay? So the stance, I should say. So with the, with the stance, you're standing with your um, – your, the – your throwing arm, the leg opposite your throwing arm, is closest to the target. <laughs> kind of like you're throwing a dart. You know how you say when you throw a dart? Um, yes. Okay. Like that. Well, actually, that's not quite true. When I throw a, when you throw a dart, uh-huh. your your the leg that is the foot that is on the line is the same side as your throwing hand. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, this is the opposite of that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I've been throwing darts wrong all this time. <laughs> So the uh, so the uh, the leg opposite your throwing arm is the one you want closest to the target. Traditionally, uh, right? Traditionally, uh, your weight is on your back leg though as you're throwing, and what you're doing is uh, you're gripping the the knife however you want to blade or handle. Mm-hmm. Either way, you line it up right with your eye mm-hmm. against the target. Sure. Bring your arm back behind your head, mm-hmm. and then. Keeping your wrist straight, you don't want to flip your wrist or anything no. like that. You bring it in an arc in front of you, and you finish like you are shaking somebody's hand. Like yeah. You're going, hey, how are you? Right? But I got a knife. Right. The thing is, here's the thing. You're going to want to release at that handshake part when your hand is straight out in front of you, and you're going to find nothing but heartache trying to throw a knife like that. Oh, if you release it right at the end. Oh no, it goes. It'll go straight down. Right, it'll go down in front of you because when you release an object that's going in an arc, it wants to go straight in a tangential line from the the uh, the top of the arc. Right. That's right. So you want to release it at the top of the arc. That's right. So that is. I was practicing just in the air. I know. Trying to to. Make my brain release uh-huh. it at the top, and that is really difficult to do because you think initially that the knife is going to go shooting up into the air. It's not. It's going to go straight. That's right. Pretty neat stuff. That's right. And this is just—I don't even know what the traditional throw is called. Do you? I I know. I didn't see a name for it. Well, there are some other throws which uh, I might as well go ahead and mention. I've teased. Uh, one is the aforementioned thorn style. From Ralph Thorne. Okay, that's named after a dude. 
It's named after a dude. Either way, it sounds cool. Yeah, this one, um, did you see this one at all online? I didn't see that one. I kind of had an idea of what they were talking about based on the article. Yeah, they say that it resembles spear throwing, uh-huh. the action. Um, I guess in that you're, you're not taking the knife like behind your ear. You're sort of just extending your whole arm and doing a big, almost like you're throwing a baseball pitch. Sure, that's what I imagine. Yeah, that's what it sort of looked like. But, but like then, sidearm? Sort of, like a bunch of people were doing it different, and then this guy's jumping all over behind his back, like <laughs> Thorn style seems to be to just do whatever you want. Okay. That's not true. Thorn's probably just like so angry right now. He's like, yeah, come out to my woods. I'll show you how I do whatever I want. Uh, then there was the Russian style. And this look, it's a very compact, um, the elbow is in near the body. Mm-hmm. You hold the knife behind the ear. Uh, and this I saw was a little bit more like, you know, like that kind of thing. So that seems to me like depending on how close you're holding your elbow to your body, like you're going to chop the top of your ear off. Well, you want to avoid that. Sure. But it's, it's more like you're pushing it out rather than throwing it like a tomahawk. Right. So that's what I thought, um, uh, Moom Yuan style was like, where you're basically like shoving the, the knife forward. Well, what I saw with that style, and again, all these videos were different, so I don't know if these people are just, I mean, it is YouTube. <laughs> Making it it's, up. It's not like sure. they're like, I'm an accredited uh, thornist. Right. But the uh, Moom Yuan style looks like they were having the knife like in their hand like kind of in their palm and would throw it. Gotcha. But I don't know if that was because of the knife, uh, because the guy on there was like, uh, this is a bow, bow shuriken mm-hmm. spike, which is thrown in the Mumuen style. Right. Then that's what this article said, too. People really get into this on- online, though. Right. That's what I did discover. So the three the three things, those three types, Thorn style, Mumuan, and uh, Russian style, those are all styles of knife throwing that involve no spin. That's what the common thread that they all have. Yeah, which is pretty cool. It is cool, and there's a couple of reasons you want to do this. They're, most knife throwers say that's really tough on the joints after a while. Oh yeah, that's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the reason why is because it involves like doing crazy like snapping motions with your elbow and your wrist and stuff. Uh-huh. Whereas with knife throwing, it's just a smooth arc you're making, and right. all, almost all of the motion is in your shoulder and your elbow. Your wrist stays straight. And you just are generally releasing your grasp on the knife, right? So Throdini can do this into his 80s. All day long, right, yeah. yeah. The, with the, the no-spin styles, it is, it's just tougher. It's more of a snapping motion that, like, you're going to get tennis elbow after a while. The reason, the advantage that these have is, like, if you're trying to throw a knife through a hole, it, you can't have a 12-inch knife spinning, making this right. 24-inch arc, basically, or, or circle. Uh-huh. Um you just want to send it straight like a missile through that hole. When are you throwing a knife through a hole? Into some dude's leg. Okay. <laughs> into his calf. And then you you uh, pounce on him, put your hand over his uh, mouth and nose until he falls asleep, uh-huh. and then you can advance further toward the castle. Well, the uh, the Russian guy I saw was talking about the um, first thing you do is find the balance point. Yeah. So he, he held out his finger and put the knife on it until, you know, like a little seesaw oh, until right. he found the exact point. And he's like, there's balance point. <laughs> so once you find out where that is, that will teach you exactly how to hold it. Yeah. Um, in any in any scenario, basically. Sure. Got to know where that balance point is, though. So whatever you're doing, though, if, if this sounds like something you want to do, 
whether it's spin throwing or no spin throwing techniques, the key to knife throwing of any kind is practice, practice, practice. And this article actually gives a really good piece of advice. It says, get a little set of throwing knives, the best you can afford, because the the more expensive they are typically with them, the better, the, the more well-made they are. Yeah. And um, get some, get like a set of three or five or whatever, because you're, you're going to have to practice repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And if you have one knife and you're standing 15 feet away, you throw it, you have to go get it. You know, throw it again and go get it. That's not nearly as fun as trying to throw like five right. quickly in a row. So you're, number one, you're going to be more entertained. Um, but also if you do, no matter how many knives you have, if you start to lose focus, if you start to get bored or frustrated, yeah. stop. Sure. Cause if there's one thing about knife throwing, it's meant to be fun. And if you're practicing with your friends, uh, don't, they don't stand to the side of the target. They don't stand directly behind you. Um, I would recommend they stand well behind you and well to one side of you. I've got one even better. Don't even press. Don't even let your friends anywhere near you. You you have to be alone while you're practicing throwing knives, but you have to be in text or phone contact with your parents mm-hmm. who are watching you from a safe distance. So live streaming house. it to your parents. Maybe so. Uh, you should go look at some of these Ralph Thorne videos because the funniest, the funniest part is uh, the – Almost, um, not angry, but just his trudge toward the target afterward uh-huh. is very like, I don't know, it's weird. He'll jump up in the air and throw a few, and then he's just like, and then walks over and undoes it from the log. Right. Like, I don't know. All the pizzazz leaves as soon as gotcha. he's thrown. Yeah, that's when you need the pizzazzes during the throwing. The rest is just wasted energy. Yeah, but you don't see Throwdini. That's the difference between an impalement act, right. and a dude in his backyard on YouTube. Well, Throdini has the smarts to hire an editor to edit that part out. Yeah. You know? That's a good point. Uh, I don't know if we said the great Throdini's name. His name is David Adamovich, and he's a neat guy. Great name. So uh, if you want to know more about the great Throdini or uh, what's what's Thorne's first name? Jesse Thorne. <laughs> the other Thorne. <laughs> Ralph Thorne. Ralph Thorne. Or any kind of knife throwing, go uh, go check out some videos. Again, do not do this uh, unless your parents say it's okay, and do it safely. Don't be stupid, and never ever throw at any living thing ever of any kind ever. Or Josh and Chuck are going to be so mad at you. That's right. Uh, and in the meantime, let's listen to some listener mail. All right, I'm going to call this. Oh, welcome back to the fold. This just delighted me. I like this one too. You know, in April, it's going to be 10 years. I know. Which is just nutty, nutty, nutty. I know. No one ever thought we'd be doing this so long. Jerry hasn't aged a day. No, she hasn't, but she's taken off more clothes <laughs> as the podcast has gone on. In celebration. <laughs> uh, she's getting ready for a gig as a Target girl. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Um, and Jerry, whoever whoever else's stuff you should know. Might actually be reading this. Uh-huh. I don't know how fan mail works, is what she says. Yeah. This is how it works. Yeah, we read it. Uh, I realize um, uh, that the most I'm realistically going to achieve by stating this is making you feel old. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I was 11 years old uh, in 2011, Stuff You Should Know was my favorite podcast and I listened to every episode. I kept on listening uh, for a couple of years until I was 13 when I stopped listening to it because. That's when we lose them, is when they get too cool for school. That's right. Yeah. 
So for those those of you who are teenagers who have kept listening through your teen years, we think you're cool. You're doing it right. Your peers probably don't, but we do. Uh, I have no idea why I stopped, guys. Up until today, I actually figured you guys must have stopped making it, and I never bothered to go back and check until today. Isn't that funny to think back? Mm-hmm. To think that someone can think back like, oh, remember those guys? <laughs> like, I like wonder our, how long our that lasted. daily, weekly life. So funny. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how to properly put how I feel into words, though, because uh, not a lot else from when I was that age still exists. I grew up with the Internet, but poking around Google and looking for old sites, I used to just... Uh, it reveals a trail of deleted accounts and domain names mm-hmm. that no longer resolve. What, did she find an old computer or something? I don't know, maybe. She's definitely taking a trip down memory lane. I know, man. I've moved countries, so most of my physical stuff was either given away or thrown into a landfill mm. across the Atlantic. The fact that stuff you should know still exists and is still making episodes that are just as good as I remember them being that is, is so incredible. Nice. Very nice. Uh, wow, this is crazy. This is from Hazel. Uh, she asked if we have a P.O. box so she can send some Jaffa cakes. Oh, that's nice. I don't remember if I gave Hazel our address. Well, please do. But, Hazel, if you write back, we'll give you our address and we can get some Jaffa Cakes. Thanks for coming back. Yeah, we appreciate that. And we're glad to have uh, kept the home fires burning for you there, Hazel. I'd like to hear from Sarah. Sarah Sparrow, the amazing 90-year-old fan. Yeah, she, 11 years old, I think she was at the time. No, she was like... Was she like 8 or 9? Yeah, I can't remember when, when she, she started. started. Yeah, but she, she was really young, yeah. She became a cool teenager. She definitely did. <laughs> but maybe she'll become an actually cool college student and That's come right. back. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Hazel. Uh, if you uh, left us and came back and thought it was as good as ever, we can hear that stuff all day long. You can tweet to us at Josh Um Clark or SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Charles W. Chuck Bryant or slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web. StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 